electronic devices, or if you just want to look up at the screen, why don't you go ahead and stand and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, look on the screen. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all of the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. Father, give us a word, not just for mothers, but for all of us. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen. I want to talk for the next few minutes on the subject, being mom. Sooner or later, we all quote our mothers. Being mom... Sooner or later, we all quote our mothers. Just to get an idea of that, early this week I posted something online, uh, which was really a question. And that question was, what are some of the things your mother told you that you will never forget? What were some things that Mama always said? I got about 44 responses I'm not going to read all 44, but I will give you a little bit of a sample. One was, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Another was, if you can dish it out, you must learn how to take it. Another was, Satan baits the hook according to the appetite of the fish. Number four was... Start like you are going to finish. You start with the end in mind. Another was, maybe the Lord is trying to tell you something. My mama always said, maybe the Lord is trying to tell you something. And one of my favorites that my mother-in-law used to say all of the time, every shut eye ain't sleep. And every goodbye ain't gone. Mm, I felt that. Did you feel that? Another was, two wrongs never made anything right. And it takes two fools to fight. Don't you be one of them. 
Another thing one of the moms always said is, you need to act like you've got good sense even if you don't. Another was, Mama always said, nothing good happens after 11 o'clock. Don't laugh too loud, you're telling on yourself. I'm just saying. And one of my all-time favorites is, never leave, Mama always said, never leave the house having dirty underwear or holes in it. Because you might get in a car wreck. And the people at the hospital go see what you got on. What I'd like to say is that there's something very, very important about what Mama says. Something indescribable about what Mama says. And even what Mama says either casually that made an impact on you, but more so what she said over and over and over again. Because even as adults, senior adults, we will say things like, well, you know, Mama always said. Mama always said. And, 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 and there's something in the air about that that we rarely speak of, but we know exactly what it is. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. There's something so important about being a mama that I think we overlook. You know it, but I think we need to put our finger on it today. There's something about motherhood that is so crucial that if you miss it today, you may go through the end of your life and miss the most important thing about you and your children. It could be a biological mother. It could be an auntie. It could be a cousin. It could be an older sister that took care of you. It could be a grandmama. It it, it could be another woman in your life that, that took that place. But make no mistake, that thing was there. And that thing is influence. Influence. Some, some leadership gurus have, have, have kind of uh, uh, whittled down and summarized leadership as one word. Leadership is influence. And with this influence, we can either influence people positively or negatively. The Moyers report years ago, probably older than, than some of you are alive, he interviewed about five women in Chicago. All of them had babies. None of them had men in their lives. And there was one young woman who decided she would be the spokesperson for the five. And, and Mr. Moyer interviewed her, and she said this, My mama didn't need no man. I don't need no man. And my baby don't need no man. It was what she had heard and what she had experienced all through her life. And so it was ingrained, the influence that was had on her mama and the influence that she would have on her baby. And then he went on to say, well, well, if he's no longer in your life and, 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 and you, you don't want to be with him anymore, why are you with him? Why do you keep making babies? And her response was, well, you know, I always had a thing for bow-legged boys. And so this, this, this generational curse 
is like a, a, a domino effect where it, it knocks down one and it knocks down the other and it knocks down the other. So what I'm telling you today is, and this message today is crucial. It could be that you're at the beginning of the domino line or maybe you're in the middle, but you can stop it. And I think that mothers can do it. We'll talk about how crucial fathers are next month, but mothers have a responsibility of influence. The Bible even speaks of it. The Bible talks about how mothers can be influential, either negatively or positively, good or bad, bring life or or, or death to a situation. You remember in Matthew chapter 14, a woman named Herodias, because of the influence she had on her daughter, was was responsible for the death of John the Baptist. And then you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 1, where, where Paul writes Timothy, and Paul knows that, Timothy, the faith that was in your grandmother Lois and the faith that was in your mother Eunice, I know that same faith is in you, and that his grandmother and his mother influenced them. So you can influence your children and lean toward behavior that is destructive. Or you can influence your children and they would lean toward behavior that is productive. And it's up to you. So much so that a woman named Josebed was the mother of Moses. And, and, and she was so influential that she decided she would protect him. And she would decided that she would provide for him. And that she decided that she would instill the word of God in him. And he became powerful. There was a woman named Hannah that prayed and prayed and prayed that she would have a child. And she ended up giving birth to Samuel and she gave Samuel back to the Lord. And then there was a woman named Elizabeth who was was related to Mary and she gave birth to John the Baptist. And and, and his life was influential because of the, 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 the impartation and the investment that she made in his life. And God didn't give his son to just anybody. And so Mary had an impact on Jesus' life. You may ask the question, well, Pastor Mike, yes, I believe what you're saying about influence. And I believe that what you're saying is true. It could be either negative or positive. How can I make a positive impact in the life of my children, both biological and non-biological? Any children that we are attached to, they don't have to have come through your body. But you can have an influence. And all of our children need it. Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. So in this passage, just to give you a, a brief summary of where we are. The children of Israel have left Egypt after being in bondage for 400 years. The Lord takes them and what should have been an 11 day journey to the promised land became 40 years. We find the story in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, and here we have Deuteronomy. The books, the five first five, first five books of the Bible are the Pentateuch, the books of the law, and Moses wrote them. In Exodus chapter 20, we find the first incident where God gives the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before you. You shall uh, uh, not... Uh, make for yourself any idols. Uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall honor your father and mother. 
You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your brother and you shall not covet. In Exodus chapter 20, he gives these Ten Commandments so the children of Israel can know they are different than all of the other nations around them because the living God has given them a prescription about how to live and how to maintain a relationship with their Creator. And then we find uh, as he moves forward, that 40 years passed by and a whole generation of people have died off. A whole generation of folks that, that saw him uh, release them from bondage. A whole generation of people that, that saw him uh, lead them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. A whole generation of people have died out. And now we get to Deuteronomy, which means the words or which means the second law. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that the Lord gives the Ten Commandments again. It is not a recurrence of the same thing. He says, I'm going to give you the law a second time. I'm going to give you my word a second time. Because you are getting ready to enter into the promised land. And you cannot act like the heathen that are in the promised land when you get there. you got to act like I want you to act because you are going to be light in the midst of darkness. You're going to be salt in the midst of decay. You're going to live different. And so he gives them this second law. And there are three things about this passage in Deuteronomy 6 6, that he gives us that, that are good for moms. Being moms. No, you're not going to find the the word mother in the passage. You're not going to find the word mom in the passage. But make no mistake, he is talking to a community of believers. And right there in the middle, he gives a prescription for parents. He gives an idea about how to make an influence on the children that he has placed around you. And Listen, some of you have grown children. Don't tune me out because it's not too late. Some of you say, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I tried my best, but I can't do nothing with them. They on their own now. No, no, no. Your role has just changed. Amen or oh me. Point number one. Point number one, if you want to make a difference, being mom, mom, be careful with your mission. Your mission has to be clear. In Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 3, he says, Know this, that this commandment I give to you, that you observe in the land which you're getting ready to cross. You might fear the Lord your God, keep his statutes, keep his commandments. He says, therefore, hear, O Israel, be careful to obey it so that you can multiply greatly that the land, in the land the Lord has given you, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. He says that the the mission is that I am going to give you land and you're going to live in that land. The land is flowing with milk and honey. You're going to be my people. You're going to be there. You're going to be salt and light. You have a, a mission. And don't forget your mission. And one of the problems we have as parents today is we've forgotten about what God has called us to. Your children are not a mistake. God has ordained that your children be born in your household. You are responsible. You are the one in charge. 
No, they are not running things. You are running things. You have a say-so. You train them up. You be the mama that God has called you to be. Well, here's the problem. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Not having a mission is really a mission to fail. Let me say that again. Not having a mission as a mama is really a mission to fail. One of the other problems that we have is not only aiming at nothing, but having the wrong mission. Years ago, when I was growing up in the 60s and the 70s, the mission of parenthood, it was that, that we want our children not to have to suffer the way we did. Amen or oh me. We want our children to have better than we had. The only problem was that we got so spoiled, we can't handle hardship. Because we, they, were, they, were, they were sheltering us from experiencing any kind of hardship, and parents forgot it was the hardship that made you strong. Amen or oh me? Amen. Not only that, but mission drift can be a problem. Where you drift away from your mission. You say, yeah, I want to train up these child, children the way they should go. But you drift it because you got tired. And you got frustrated. And you underestimated how difficult it was. Now listen, let me, let me give you an idea of your mission. And you just glean off me. All right? This just mine. About a year ago, I had a cousin who has uh, two little girls. Uh, he, out of the blue, Cousin Michael... Uh, I saw on Facebook that you got four grown daughters now, all of them finished college. What's the secret sauce? And I quickly responded, there is no secret sauce. You got to pray. But then I thought about it. Let me, let me go ahead and say something else to him. And I remember a quote that I heard uh, uh, Keith Battle give that comes from a man named William Hodding Carter. And William Hodding Carter says... Every parent ought to give their children two things. One is roots and the other is wings. And he goes on to explain that those roots are things that give you stability. Those roots are things that give you security. Those roots. And so I wrote my cousin, we tried to give our children roots. We tried to help them grow up in church. We tried to help them learn about the Lord. We tried to give them as many experiences. We tried to give them some family traditions. There's some things that we always do around the holidays. We make birthdays a big deal. There are some things that we we got to give them roots. Because the Word of God says in Psalm 128, Your wife shall be a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children, like olive plants, Around your table, the olive plants have roots. And one of the problems of parenthood today is we haven't given our children roots. You can't do anything you want to do in my house. You're rooted and grounded in something that matters. You're rooted and grounded in our family traditions. And you're rooted and grounded in your relationship with God. And so our children never had a choice about being involved in the Christmas program and in the Easter program and coming to Sunday school and being a part of the youth group. They never had a chance because that was our way of keeping them rooted. You don't flip a coin and say, well, we'll we'll see if we're involved or not. No. No. But you also have to give them wings. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That does not just mean you train him up and, 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 and teach him the word. The actual word there is train up a child in the way he should go, according to his bent, according to his strengths and weaknesses, and maximize the strengths. One of the problems in our society is that we think that everybody needs to graduate from high school and go to college. Not everybody is gifted and suited for that. Some of them need to be in trade school. Some of them need to be in the military. Some of them need to, 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 to get a retail job. Some of them need to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Some of them, according to the way God has made them, and we as parents have to identify what that is and train them up in the way they should go. Give them wings so that they can fly. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. Are y'all with me today? Or are you just ready to go eat your Mother's Day meal? I'll just preach to myself because I, I need to know this all over again. That my children need roots and they need wings. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but all of those memes you see up on the Internet that say, I can't wait for these children to leave and, 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 and they got to get out of my house and now they're grown. My children can stay with me as long as they want to stay with me. And when God is ready to push them out, they'll be ready to go out. Ain't no timetable. I ain't getting tired of them. Matter of fact, I like that they're there because they could be somewhere else. Amen or oh me. I ain't doing nothing but trying to preach. I ain't doing nothing else. Being mom. Sooner or later, we all quote our mothers, and they will quote your mission. Point number two, not only be careful with your mission, but be clear with your message. Notice what the message here is in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It doesn't say mind, that's New Testament. Heart, soul, and your strength. And then verses 7 through 9, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. Notice what it says here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is the Shema. The Israelites, the Jewish people, would recite that, all of them, both young and old, in the morning and in the evening. It was information that distinguished them from all the other nations around them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They were distinguishing themselves from being polytheistic. They were monotheistic. They worshiped one God. They didn't worship a whole bunch of gods. They worship one God. They worship the true and the living God. And the other thing that this tells me is that there was a simple body of information that everybody in the Jewish community knew. They knew the Shema and they recited it over and over. And you can almost hear a Jewish uh, a child saying, well, you know, Mama always saying... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Mama said, that's right, son, and you're going to keep saying it. Because Mama 
at some point, you're going to quote what mama said. Now, the body of information for us is, and don't feel convicted, I'm just, this is just me. Y'all just peeking into what, what, what my, my convictions are. I don't think I'm a good parent if my children don't know the 23rd Psalm. I'm just sorry. I don't think I'm a good parent if they don't know how to recite the Lord's Prayer. I'm just, I'm just that's me. And, and I know this is a stretch because most people don't, and that's why I quoted it. I think that our children need to know the Ten Commandments. Our children need to know how to explain it. If my child doesn't know John 3.16, then I'm not, I, I ain't really a Christian parent. But I think that we need to recite them. There was a time when you couldn't eat dinner unless you went around the table. Am I right about it? And you recited your verse, and your verse, you, you were hoping you were the first child to recite one because you would say, Jesus wept. And then, and then they messed up everybody else around the table because then they had to think of a verse that they didn't know the name of the verse or nothing like that because you beat them to Jesus wept. But you made sure you knew the word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Not only that, but, put, put, but you might want to write this down. Verses 7 through 9, I don't have the time to go through all of it. But you need to teach your children persistently. You see where it says teach them diligently to your children? Persistently or diligently. And then it says talk about them. You need to teach them verbally. And then it says uh, when you sit down and when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise up, teach them consistently over and over and over again, even in your casual hours when you're just talking about stuff and when you're riding in the car. And when you go into that event or when you're going shopping or when you're getting ready to go to bed and those kind of things, you are always talking about them. That's how you influence them. The problem with, with, with influence isn't that we're not influencing them. It's what we are influencing them with. And if you're not talking about Jesus, what you talking about? Amen or on me? Last thing. And this is what, what gets me because I'm this type of learner. In verses 8 and 9, where it says, Bind them as a sign on your hand, they'll shall be frontlets to your eyes. Write them on the doorpost of your house. I'm a visual learner. And some of your children are visual, or you could talk all you want, but they need to see it. And so you figure out what's the best way to impart the Word of God to my children, and you use it. But make no mistake, it's your responsibility. Because we need to be careful with our mission if we want to influence them right. We need to be clear with our message if we want to influence them right. And point number three is simply this. Mom, be committed to your Messiah. You, got, if you, you can mess up on all the other stuff. But if they see that you love the Lord, and they see that you pray, and that they see that you're in the Word, and they see that you congregate with God's people, and they see that you're not talking about bad about nobody, but you're just loving folks with the love of Jesus Christ. More is caught than there is taught. And the verse that is in the middle of this passage, easy to overlook, the verse right in the middle is verse 5 that says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
and with all your strength. What if they heard that all the time? Mama used to always say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. What if they grew up and then you went home to be with Jesus? You wasn't around anymore. And all they could remember was, Mama always said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. The beloved Tom Skinner, who was the black Billy Graham of his day, there were crusades all over this country that Tom Skinner led. He was a former Harlem gang leader that, that radically came to know Jesus Christ. He, 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 he uh, uh, mentored leaders all over this country. He gave a talk once and he talked about the influence that his grandmother had on his life. And he says, you know, I couldn't get away with it, uh, away from it as much as I tried to get away from it. I, 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 I hated Christians and I thought Christians didn't know what they were talking about. And I ridiculed Christians. But in my ear, I kept hearing my grandmother say, boy, you got to love God. You got to work harder and you got to be twice as good. I'd get out there and do all kinds of stuff, and she'd be ringing in my ear, Boy, you got to love God, you got to work harder, and you got to be twice as good. And then I'd do some other stuff, and, and, and it just over and over, and the intensity got higher. And I, you got to love God. I know, Grandma, you got to work harder, and you got to be twice as good. Make no mistake, your children are listening to what you say. They may act like they ain't paying attention, but they know and they hear what you say. And whatever you say over and over and over, God forbid that you tell them they ain't no good. God forbid that you tell them they won't be nothing. God forbid that you tell them, well, you always messing something up. Or you were a mistake. Whatever you tell them, they are going to believe. You all remember a number of years ago. Kevin Durant stood behind a podium after receiving the Most Valuable Player Award in the National Basketball Association. He got up with tears in his eyes. He said, I received this MVP award, but I tell you who is the real MVP. He said, my mother right there. When we, uh, 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 you were without, you made sure we always had. When, 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 when you couldn't do what you want, wanted to do, you made sure that we did what, what, what we wanted to do. You kept us from gangs. You kept us from violence. You kept us from, from the destruction and depravity. You, Mom, with tears in his eyes, you're the real MVP. Across the country, there were news reports all over. That's all you saw on the Internet. That's all you saw. Kevin Durant said his mama was the real MVP. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you that his mama wasn't the real MVP. Because there was a real MVP that influenced her to be the MVP in his life. It was because she loved Jesus. It was because she had a relationship with God. It was because she decided to walk with him. It was because she decided to, to trust him and put her confidence in him. And I'm telling you mothers today, there is a real MVP. There is somebody that you need to quote over and over and over again. There's somebody that you need to say that I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. Because greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. No, it is not that we first loved God, but that he first loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sin. I love God because he loved me first. He loved me enough to leave heaven. He left heaven because he loved me. He was born of a virgin because he loved me. He suffered under Pontius Pilate because he loved me. He suffered and died on a rugged cross because he loved me. He paid for the penalty for all of my sins because he loved me. I love him because he first loved me. And then early, early on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead because he loved me. He gave me new life because he loved me. He gave me eternal life because he loved me. He gave me a different quality of life because he loved me. You see, he is Adam's redeemer. He, he is Abraham's faith. He's David's music. He's Samson's strength. He's Jeremiah's bomb in Gilead. He's Matthew's king. He's Mark's suffering servant. He's Luke's great physician. He's John's redeemer of the world. He's Acts, the coming of the Holy Spirit. He is God wrapped up in human flesh. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine. I'm in love with him because he first loved me. Mamas, if you want to have influence in your life, in the lives of those around you, if you want to have influence, you be careful with your mission. Your mission is to give roots and wings. Roots and wings. If you want to have influence, be clear with your message. Message over and over and over again. And lastly, if you want to have influence, then you make sure that you are committed to your Messiah. I'll close with this. Probably the most impactful thing in my life which spurred me on to knowing that being in the ministry was a part of my family tradition. I told my grandmother, Granny, I want you to pray for me because I'm going to go and share the gospel with Auntie. Tears in her eyes. I got a little nervous about sharing with Auntie, so I decided to go back to Grandma's room. And there she was at the foot of her bed, Praying for my visit. This woman prayed for me when I was four years old that I would be a preacher. She, matter of fact, she prophesied furthest thing away from me until 19, 20 years old. I preached my first sermon in the summer of 1984. She died in the spring of 84. It was like that verse in Hebrews that said, These having died in faith, having seen the promises from afar off. She saw the promise. She influenced me 
by her prayers. She influenced me by her exemplary life. She influenced me because she would talk about things in the Bible. I didn't even know till after I started walking with Jesus what they are. I learned that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path because my grandmama said it. I learned that, uh, uh, well, let us behold wondrous things out of your law, out of Psalm 119, because my grandmama said it. I learned uh, that, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but three, because my grandmama said it. You ain't going to tell me, because my grandmama said it. And what my grandmama always said is that you need to love God, you need to work harder, and you need to be twice as good. And that's my word to you mothers. You get whatever mantra it is you want to give them. You get whatever positive uh, 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 exclamation and positive confession that you want to give them. And you say it over and over and over and over. Because being mom, sooner or later, they're going to quote what mama said. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I pray for mothers today. What an awesome responsibility they have. Father, we lift them up now before your throne of grace. We pray that they would stay on mission. We pray for their message. And Lord, above and beyond anything else, help them fall in love with the Messiah. Help us all fall in love with him. He's already proven that he loves us. What a great price he paid to demonstrate that love. Help us honor our mothers today. Help us help them feel valued today and loved today. With not only our gifts, but with our words. Bless them. And with our touch. Lord, help us hold them and uh, hug them and hold them. And whisper, I love you, Mama. I love you. Lord, we don't want to take that for granted today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you stand up?